All right, welcome back. Uh, thanks for starting a week with us as we continue slowly through First Timothy, and today will likely not be an exception, um, probably just a couple verses today. Remember that Paul has uh, reached out to Timothy. Timothy is in leadership of some sort um, in a community church, and, and again, I think helpful to realize that what that means is that Timothy is essentially a liaison between Paul and the leaders of the various house churches. We believe in Ephesus is where this is happening. And Paul began um, pretty pretty hot out of the gate telling Timothy that he needed to rein some people in, or at least instructing him that certain people needed to um, kind of dial it back. And we continue with that today. Again, very likely, though they're not named at this point, uh, very likely that Timothy and Paul probably know who they are talking about, but we continue in a in a kind of generic way today. We are in uh, verse six, as Paul instructs Timothy. Some people have deviated from these and turned to meaningless talk, and we can stop there, Michael. Again, we pointed out in the intro to this letter that. Scholars are clear. It's clear that something's happening. It's clear that there's a body of doctrine being taught that's out of keeping with what Paul has taught. He doesn't feel good about it. He does. He opposes it. He doesn't believe that it should be taught. But nowhere in the letter does it lay out exactly what that is. And so we have to make these inferences. We saw late last week this uh, this reference in verse 4 to genealogies and speculations. And so th- there's some idea that that may have been included. And here he says, you know, people have, have deviated from the true teaching, the instructions of good conscience and sincere faith, faith in the verse prior, and, and they've changed to meaningless talk, uh, meaningless, w- without, without meaning, empty. They're, they're saying things that don't have value, and Paul is concerned, obviously, that this is going to have a negative impact on church. Yeah, I, I think that's a really helpful way to start. I'm going to back us up one verse just to get a little context here from what would have been yesterday's reading. So if you if you missed that, feel free to jump back and hear that out as well. But I think uh, my commentator makes a point that's really helpful here at the beginning of verse 5. You know, it's where it says, the aim of such instruction— Uh, I I think that's helpful as we move here to verse 6, because fundamentally, when we turn to Paul's gospel or or his telling of the gospel, his teaching, he is doing so in a very dynamic way. Paul is not a legalist in the sense that he lays out all of the steps and expects everyone to simply follow each step verbatim. He certainly has expectations. I don't want you to misunderstand me. He does have an idea of what a rightly ordered Christian community should look like. But for Paul, that is always reaching back to the goal, to this higher order, which is the gospel, this vision for Paul that flows directly from who Jesus Christ is— therefore shapes the life of those who not only believe in him, but have been transformed into his image. And so this is where our verse today begins to really take force, because here he's talking about these who have deviated away from these this teaching, away from this dynamic goal. Instead of being set on 
uh, being those who embody the goodness of the faith, those who look like Jesus and what they do and say, they have, as we've seen here, turned to meaningless talk. They've looked to those things that are really not applicable to life. And scholars uh, have teased out a little bit, maybe we'll share in this conversation a little bit later, uh, some of the portrait of what some of this meaningless talk may have looked like. And they draw that from some of the other statements here in this book and then in 2 Timothy as well. But the point for now, I think, suffices to say is whenever Paul encounters someone who has made knowledge or has made the law a substitute for that dynamic and higher goal of reflecting who Jesus is in the present world, in your own context, in your own time, amongst your own people, amongst your own complexities of life. Paul wants, Paul thinks all of that matters. And so the point here that he's making about these opposing leaders is that they've given into esoteric thought. They've given up uh, their essential connection to the gospel for meaningless words. And when they did that, then Clint, we are to know that they've, they've, they've deviated from the core of what the gospel is. Yeah. And I think, Michael, it's, it's important that we understand Paul has an interesting relationship with rules. Uh, having been a Pharisee, Paul has a deep background in law. I, I mean, theologically, biblically, he, he lived that life. And yet, when it comes to rules within the faith, he has a kind of loose relationship in some ways. He can certainly talk law with people who want to do that. He can affirm the the law is good, as he does in Romans. But he can also say, look, if the food doesn't offend your conscience, eat it. And if one day seems better you, to you than another, observe it. And especially those of you who are with us in Romans, this idea of protecting those who have a different outlook. And it's, it's easy to read this. In fact, probably as early as tomorrow, we're going to see Paul give what looks like some rigid rules. And I think in the midst of that, that's kind of the reputation that Paul gets. It's helpful to realize Paul always has in mind what is best for the church. And Timothy is a living example of that. You may not remember this, but in the introduction of this book, we pointed out that Timothy is Greek. His father's a Gentile. His mother becomes Christian. Grandmother becomes Christian. But Timothy is is Greek. He is a Gentile. And yet, in the book of Acts, we're told that Paul, wanting to take Timothy with him to go back to where he was going to meet with Jewish Christians, has Timothy circumcised. Now, Paul has made it very clear that he doesn't believe circumcision is essential. In fact, he, he goes so far in one letter to say, just stay as you were. If you're circumcised when you come into the faith, good for you. If you're not, that's fine too. And yet, for the sake of harmony, for the sake of unity in the body, not to offend anyone else's conscience, he has Timothy become circumcised so that others won't be offended. And I think what that does for us, Michael, is it kind of helps us understand that when Paul is giving these sort of guidelines and, and things that he expects the church to live up to, it's not about the law itself. It's always about how the community reflects the gospel and how the community reflects to the world 
that they are of a different substance and standard because of Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes that gets lost. I, I agree completely. In fact, I think a linchpin of really Paul's um, sort of offerings to the churches, I think, can be boiled down to the time when he instructed the church to uh, really put no barrier between you and others. In, in other words, don't make your public life such that Christians stick out in a negative way. Be people who pay your taxes, be honest, be moral and upright in your place of work in the economic marketplace. Be people who can be trusted. For Paul, we shouldn't put stumbling blocks in front of the unbeliever. They should be able to see in us a kind of transparent reflection of our own uh, of falsehoods. You know, we, we should be honest where we fail, um, and we should also do our very best to live humble, upright, uh, peaceable lives. And that, I think, we do miss. We, as the churches that Paul was writing to, are tempted to fixate on the, the the letter of the law. What can I do and what can't I do, right? What's in field and what's what's out of field? And then when other people cross that line, we, we like to, uh, by, by temptation, throw judgment in their direction. The reality is, though, when Paul's speaking very um, critically of these leaders, he's not doing so for the sake of judgment. He's not doing so for the sake of gossip. For him, when they cross the line away from living a life of real faith in real time with real people, and they began fixating on conspiracies and you know your special uh, decoder ring and all these kinds of things that were tempting to them, and then they, in doing so, put themselves over Scripture or over the faith itself, and they became the sole interpreters, that's where Paul gets upset. And in fact, you're going to see as the letter goes on, in many cases, he does get very practical. He gives Timothy very practical instruction for both how he should conduct himself in the church community and, and, and what he should do in different social circumstances. For, for Paul, these two things aren't at odds. It, it is living our daily life and doing so to the best of our ability to be the hands and feet of Christ. That is what we're called to do, to connect once again to this higher purpose. These individuals, it seems— uh, have given up some of that higher purpose for figuring it out themselves. And that's where Paul's going to vehemently disagree. Yeah, and Paul makes a really interesting statement about him. I I really like this. Verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make assertions. So Paul says, you know, they want to teach. And maybe he even affirms that to some extent. It's not clear here because I think for Paul, the idea of wanting to teach but not knowing how to teach or what to teach is is probably not acceptable. But desiring to be teachers of the law, they don't understand either what they are saying or the things that they're talking about. They, they don't understand the law, and they don't understand the application they're trying to make to the law. And if there's a thing as a teacher you don't want said about you, it's that you don't know what you're talking about, and you don't understand the things that you're trying to teach. And th- this is, um, th- this is, it reads fairly um, neutrally, but this is, this is harsh criticism. They're out there teaching, and they don't know what they're talking about. 
and they don't know the subject matter. They're doing harm because they want to teach, but they're not qualified. They want to be leaders, but they're not able. They want to instruct others, but they don't understand it themselves. And for Paul, um, that makes them dangerous. I, I think, you know, frankly speaking, that makes them a danger to the Christian community because they're misleading people. And again, his appeal to Timothy, they have to be stopped. They have to be reined in. They have to be instructed before they could ever be ready to teach. They would have to understand it themselves. Yeah, and this is maybe another really clear example of why biblical scholarship over hundreds and now thousands of years has somewhat struggled to get a, a clear grasp on Paul and his relationship with the law. If you've ever been in a Bible study, certainly if you joined us for Romans, um, you would know that Paul, being a Pharisee, having real uh, real legal chops in the Jewish faith, has a lot to say about the law. And we would be uh, easy for us, at least, I think, to walk into a conversation and assume that every time Paul's talking about the law, he's talking about the same exact thing. If you look at Romans, it's filled with this language about the law. Uh, and, and of course, in the Protestant branch of the Christian family, we often emphasize grace over law. We talk about how Paul uh, makes that to be uh, the chief image of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. But when we come here to this section— and we start talking here about them being teachers of the law, you can see even in that phrase, there's a little bit of critique, a little bit of bite. Paul has all of these chops to talk about the law, but these have taken the law in a direction it wasn't intended to go. They, they have made the law an end unto itself. And when they did that, they took a good thing, or what Paul would argue is at least a neutral thing, and they have uh, made that an end unto themselves. And, and when that happens, and this is critical, whenever we take a thing that is orderly and good and given to us by God, and we make that a tool for self-aggrandizement or for uh, our, our own sake of pride or status, when we turn it towards ourselves, now we've uh, taken what was a gift and we turn it into a threat, or, or rather, we turn it into a weapon that that both hurts our own souls, and in this case, maybe for Paul, um, even one step beyond that, we use it as a weapon against other people. As these want to teach, they are going to be misleading others who are teachable, and that's what makes Paul's word to Timothy so essential. Is you know, Timothy, you need to stand in the gap. We have to correct what is a, a misuse of the law for the sake of what would be the right or good use of the law. And here we think we learn a little something about some of the, the people that may be causing trouble here in this community. You know, it, it makes the most sense that these are people with a Jewish background. Gentiles who come into the faith are not likely to be particularly interested in the law or teaching. That's not impossible, but it seems unlikely. And so we we begin to put a theory together that, at least in this case, it is likely Jewish Christians who are still holding some sense of the importance of the law. But the, the clearest difference we can make it is, and not to put Paul's word 
put words in Paul's mouth, but he nearly says this verbatim in other places. Paul has zero interest in being a teacher of the law. And the fact that they would call themselves that or that he would call them that is an insult because Paul's only interest is teaching Jesus Christ. He, he knows the law and he understands that the law points to Jesus. So why would he teach the thing that's of secondary importance? He considers himself, as he's already said, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's not a teacher of the law, nor does he want to be, nor does he want these people to be. And let's finish with one more verse here, verse 8. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it legitimately. And and this, again, is a wonderful summary for Paul. If you were with us in Romans or if you ever get a chance to read carefully through the book of Romans, there's a lot of law stuff in it, and this undergirds nearly everything that was said there. The law is good. Paul never argues that the law is bad. He never argues that the law is abolished. He never argues that Christians don't need to pay attention to the law. He simply argues that the law points us to Christ, that its ultimate purpose is to show us our sin so that we understand the need for God's saving grace. So he knows, we know, he says, the law is good. The law has a good uh, objective. The law has a good purpose if one uses it legitimately, and it's clear by implication, that he does not think these teachers of law are using it legitimately. He thinks they're misusing it. So, you know uh, that formula that you learn in math class when you're in elementary school, uh, the A plus B equals C, and and you can rearrange that formula in lots of different ways to come up with different answers. Uh, That is the formula I think of when we come to a section of Scripture like this. Uh, I have a commentator here who makes a case that a contemporary example of this kind of meaningless talk is, I'll just read it to you, are those who use the Bible primarily as a launching pad for their intellectual fancies without acknowledging Scripture's supreme obedience-commanding authority. I find that really, really helpful. You will have people who will come with their A plus B equals C theology. They'll go to Scripture And they'll just start listing scriptural passages as if, well, because this is true and this is true and this is true, then this is also true. And oftentimes they pull from just radically different books and they pull half of a verse here and a full verse there. And they put together these wild ideas about, well, if this happens, then this is going to happen. Or did you see this in the news? And if you did, then it means this. It's not to say that Christians shouldn't be aware of what's happening around us. It is to say that whenever we come to the scriptures and we we treat them as if it is some sort of tool that we can mold, like if you can find the A and then the B, then you're going to get to some kind of C that nobody else has got to or that's not clear to anyone else. That is the kind of reading of scripture here that I think Paul is very clearly calling out. It's a kind of individualized, self-centered, I would even say arrogant reading of Scripture, where instead of us submitting to it and reading it together, you know, asking, hey, what what do you hear in this text? Is this clear to you? Um, If we're unwilling to do that, and instead we find ourselves constructing these elaborate verbal castles, 
then I think we find ourselves in the position of Paul's opponents here. And the danger, of course, to a church community is that we might even sow those seeds in the lives of others who don't know better and those for whom they will become interested and tempted by, well, I wonder what secrets I can pull out. And when that happens, it becomes less about us submitting to the wisdom of Scripture, and it becomes us dominating Scripture with our idea and perspective. And, you know, to whatever extent that's happening here, Paul clearly calls it out. We're we're not even eight verses into this first chapter, and Paul has very clearly named the problem, and uh, so it's worth being sensitive to. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, not not to keep going back here, but in the context of talking about law, Romans is the place you go. If you were with us in the Roman study, you would now expect Paul to jump into a chapter-long discussion of what the legitimate use of the law is. But this, remember, is a pastoral letter. This is written to a person who is trying to lead a, a Christian community. And so instead, Paul will go directly to... Um, the idea of appropriate behavior, and interestingly enough, he'll do so in a way that sort of throws under the bus these people who think they're teaching the law. He will include them in a list of pretty troubling uh, descriptions, some of which have caused a great deal of conversation and consternation in the church, and we'll talk about that tomorrow and try to unpack some of that for you. Way to make a segue to tomorrow. We uh, are glad that you're with us today and uh, do indeed look forward to seeing you tomorrow as we uh, continue along. Thanks so much. 